1: would you stand for the reading of the word? We're in Philippians 4, 4 through 9. I'm reading out of the NIV and all of you old school NIVers, this is the 1984 version. It's vintage. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Whether you have learned or received or whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord.
0: The God of peace. That's what we're going to talk about today. You know, we experience a life where it's easy to feel and experience worry and anxiety. And isn't it good to know that he is a God of peace? And we're going to look to him today. We're going to talk about this today. Why don't you join me in prayer, Lord? We are coming to you knowing that in you is found true peace, the peace that the world longs for, the peace that the world needs is in you. Lord, we're thankful that we know you. Lord, I pray that we would experience your peace. Lord, my prayer is that we wouldn't just know about you. We would truly know you. And we wouldn't just know about your peace, but we would know and experience your peace. I pray that for every person here, especially those that are debilitated by anxiety. Lord, for those that are just struggle with anxiety and worry. Lord, I pray that today would be a day of freedom for them. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord, and would you help the Seahawks get back on their winning ways. Amen. You may be seated. Hey, I want to say a congratulations and a farewell to our dear friend Keela and her fiance, James, who is here with us today. Now, today is Keela's last Sunday with us. She's been with us for over two years and has been just an awesome part of our community. Her and James are getting married in two weeks. And so we congratulate them and we're, we're, we're just forgiving James for stealing Keela from us. But he's on staff at a church, another church, so it just makes sense, and so we bless them in that. And you see Keila today, just give her your congratulations, give her your love, and we bless you guys in that. Thank you. And uh, super excited for you guys and and your future together. Well, hey, we're in our series. All I want for Christmas is blank. Today we're going to talk about a very important word called peace. Last week it was rest. We talked about how we want a slower life and we want Rest. Anybody need life to slow down? Hey, did your life slow down this last week because of a sermon you listened to last week? It's amazing how sermons don't just change our life as much as we'd like, right? As much as I'd like, as much energy I put into these things. Like, Lord, come on. But we talked about three practices that I think you and I all need to practice in our life if Jesus is really going to be at the center of our life. Silence and solitude, Scripture and Sabbath. I think these are so important for us to practice, to grow in, if we're really going to experience the rest that Jesus has for us, and today as we talk about the peace that Jesus has for us. So hopefully you're growing and practicing those, because I promise you, you and I need all three of those things if Jesus is gonna be at the center of our life and our heart. And I don't know about you, but I had a crazy week. I had a stressful, stressful week. Even as I was preparing to talk about anxiety and the peace of God, I had a week where I experienced anxiety. Anybody with me? Like I could feel the pressure mounting. My to-do list was massive. Amy and I are on this incredible process right now, where we're getting ready to adopt a beautiful girl, and so we're going to foster parent college, and we're going to all these classes, and we're doing all this stuff, and so it's just—I felt overwhelmed. And there was a moment last week where I could feel it physically. You ever been there? been there this week i could just i could i could just i could feel this overwhelming feeling and i had to run to jesus so much this week like what i'm going to talk about today i put into practice this week because i would not have made it if it wasn't for the presence of jesus peace is found in the presence of jesus and that's what we're going to talk about today i want to say that over and over again you really want to experience peace i want to encourage you to look Jesus. Run to him. His presence is what you need. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you're exploring this faith in Jesus thing. Let me encourage you just to run to him and know that he cares about you and he wants to give you his peace. But a lot of people are struggling with the opposite of that. A lot of people are struggling with anxiety and worry. Like, have you heard the statistics have you seen these, you read these? It's, it's crazy, guys. It's, it's kind of scary. Nearly 50 million Americans will feel the effects of a panic attack, phobias, or other anxiety disorders this year. That's a lot of people. 33% report living with extreme stress. It's one in three of us. 48% say stress has a negative impact on their personal and their professional lives. Half of all college students say they f- Uh, students feel they need help with their anxiety, half. It's said that anxiety accounts for like one-third of all prescription medications in regards to this mental health issue we have going on in our country. One-third, people. Anxiety is an epidemic that is going on in our country right now. It is crazy. Now, here's what's interesting. Did you know in third-world countries, they don't have an anxiety issue? But here's what's even crazier than that is when these people immigrate to our country, after a little while, their anxiety levels begin to rise and increase because they have now placed themselves in the great US of A where we're just worried and stressed about everything. And they start experiencing the same thing. Robert Leahy, he's a psychologist who studies this. He says, the average child today exhibits the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the 1950s. And you know what it all centers around? It centers around the amount of screen time they have. That is the number one issue for our kids today. Like, parents, like, we need help with this, right? Like, Lord, help us. But prolonged screen time has proven by studies to increase anxiety and depression, not just in adults, but in children, and it's impacting our kids even at little, like we're seeing more and more the effects of our phones and our social media on kids as we are able to have studies on it now. Uh, Taylor Clark studied this. He wrote an article. This is an old article about 10 years ago, but this is what he found. The United States is now the most anxious nation in the world. Congratulations. Stress-related ailments cost nearly $300 billion dollars every year in medical bills, and lost productivity. While our usage of sedative drugs keeps skyrocketing, just between 97 and 2004, Americans more than doubled their spending on anti-anxiety medications like Xanax and Valium. It went from $900 billion to $2.1 billion spent on this. We are three times more likely to experience depression than people of the preceding generation. You feeling encouraged right now? (laughs) All right, a little bit more here. The Anxiety Center, these guys are like experts on anxiety. And they say this, anxiety has become the number one mental health issue in North America. It's estimated that one third, there's that stat again, one third of North American adult population experiences problems with anxiety. We got an issue, friends. And you might wonder yourself, like, how is this possible? How did we get here? Like, think about it. Like, our kids are safer than ever before. They have to wear helmets everywhere they go and seatbelts. Our kids are safer than ever before. We have more regulations on food and water and electricity. We make more money than we ever have before. Yet, if worry was an Olympic sport, we get the gold medal. It is bad here in our country. And this is no laughing matter, honestly. This is real. This is scary, guys, and we need help. And some people just feel like there's no help other than medication. This is why I want to point you to Jesus today, because I got good news for you. Peace can be found in the presence of Jesus. He is where you can find hope in dealing with this exact issue. So I want to point you to him. So Isaiah prophesied about Jesus, the coming Messiah. Isaiah 9 says this. For for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, which is the reminder of what Christmas is all about. This child is born, and we celebrate that over Christmas, and here's why he came. Here's who he came to be. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. This is who he is. Jesus came to be the prince of peace. And and Isaiah prophesied this 700 years before Jesus was ever born, before he ever walked on this earth. 700 years, he said, this is who the Messiah will be. This is what he will do. And Jesus came along the scene, and this is who Jesus is. He's the prince of peace. That word is shalom. Jesus is the prince of shalom. And that word carries so much weight, friends. There's so much depth to the word shalom. It means this. It's a completeness. It's a safety. It's tranquility, welfare, health, prosperity, and rest. All of that means shalom. Most of you have probably heard that word before. Shalom. It's Jews still use it as a greeting. If you watch the Chosen series, they use it all the time. Shalom, shalom, shalom. I highly recommend this Chosen series, by the way. Super good. It's incredible. But they use that. It's a greeting. It's a blessing. It encompasses all those things. Shalom. And Jesus came to be the prince of your shalom. You know, the Jews thought passages like this and prophecies like this about Jesus meant that the Messiah was going to come, and he was going to help Israel overthrow the whole world. And then Israel would rule and reign over the entire world. That's what they believed. And the truth is, Jesus will do that. Like, he's going to come, but it's not just for Israel. It's for all of God's people. And he will rule and reign forever. That will happen. Those prophecies have not been fulfilled yet, but Jesus has already fulfilled hundreds Of prophecies. So many prophecies found all over Isaiah, Jesus has already fulfilled. And then Jesus himself, while he was walking on this earth, he said, I'm gonna die and I'm gonna rise again from the dead. He predicted his own death and his own resurrection and then he pulled it off. And anybody that can predict their own death and resurrection is somebody you and I can trust. You can put your trust in Jesus. He's fulfilled hundreds of prophecies, all the prophecies that are yet remain to be fulfilled, he will do. Jesus is coming back. He will rule and reign forever. We just got done going through the book of Revelation where we studied that and we, we looked at that. It is a promise from Jesus. All over scripture and even from his own mouth, Jesus says, I will be back. And so Jesus is coming back. But for now, Jesus is the prince of peace. He's the prince of shalom. And people look around the world and say, I don't see much peace. Like, did he really do his job? But Jesus came to give you and I peace on the inside. That's where it starts right now. He came and dealt with our spiritual condition, our emotional, our soul condition too. You can have peace on the inside. You can experience the shalom of Jesus, but you and I gotta look to him. We gotta trust in him. We gotta go to him. Peace is found in his presence. Why? Because he is the prince of peace. When you get in the presence of God, that's when he can begin to change your life. That's when he begins to transform you from the inside out. That's why, you guys, we need the presence of God. Not just in a moment like this, but throughout the week, we need to run to God's presence and be in his presence. I'm convinced, friends, we don't need more money. We need more of the presence of Jesus. You don't need a better job. You need more of Jesus and his presence. We don't need a new marriage. We need more of Jesus and his Presence. We don't need more me time, like we talked about last week. What we need is more of Jesus and his presence in our life. We don't even need more medication. We need more of Jesus and his presence. Now, I think drugs can be a good thing. I'm all for drugs. They can help. The prescription kind, let me be clear. Okay, not, the, not the street kind. Over-counter drugs, okay? just want to be clear on that. Drugs can be, they can be beneficial, They can help cut off the edge, help you get into the right place. You can begin thinking better and and handle things better. Um, But I truly believe, I firmly believe that you don't need those. When it comes to anxiety especially, you don't need those for the rest of your life because Jesus has the power to heal and transform, as I'm going to talk about more today. But we need his presence, guys. So what is anxiety? What is it? A couple definitions to help us understand it a little bit more. From the American Psychology Association, this is what they say Anxiety is an emotion. It's characterized by feelings of tension, worried thoughts, and physical changes like increased blood pressure. People with anxiety disorders usually have recurring intrusive thoughts or concerns. They may avoid certain situations out of worry. They may also have physical symptoms such as sweating, trembling, dizziness, or a rapid heartbeat. That according to the American Psychological Association. You ever felt that? You ever been there? Ever describe your life there? Okay, again, looking at the Anxiety Center, this is what they say about anxiety. Like these are the leading experts, foremost experts in our world on anxiety. Anxiety is a state of apprehension that results from anticipating something we think might be dangerous or harmful to us. And so where does it start? It starts right here in our mind. If I think something's going to be bad or, or harmful, then all of a sudden my thoughts cause me to behave in such a way that I, the anxiety rises up inside of me, and then I can behave a lot of different ways uh, from there. Now, stress is not a bad thing like we talked about last week. It's okay to feel stress. A little anxiety can be good for us when it comes to safety concerns. You're doing a little hike in Arizona and all of a sudden you come across a rattlesnake on the trail. You're gonna feel a little stress right there, right? Like for me, I would run so fast down away from that thing because I hate snakes. They're freaky. (laughs) But I would feel that. Like you would feel it too, right? Like when you're in the middle of the street, cars coming at you, like there's moments of stress that are good for us. It, it, our, our brain all of a sudden starts firing all the stuff, you know, and it, it tells us to get out of the way, run. And we talked last week about how too many of us live in this constant state of stress. It's just worry, 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 stress, 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 worry. We never relent, and we never have a moment of rest from the stress. And that's what we need is some rest, which Jesus offers us rest from the stress. Too many people are living stressful lives and not restful lives because we don't ever let our mind stop worrying. We're addicted to worry and anxiety if we're honest with ourselves. So it all starts, interestingly enough, in your mind. I perceive something is going to be harmful. This is why PTSD gets so interesting because something triggers that and you don't even have to think about it. It is an automatic response based upon something that happened to you in your past. It's amazing how the brain is so powerful. You will instantly react without thinking about it. It's amazing how God made our brain. And so something happens, trigger, boom, response. (laughs) Where where did that come from? I didn't even think about that. It just naturally happens. So we got to approach anxiety uh, in, in a healthy way and really understand what it is. Anxiety is the result of behavior. This is what the Anxiety Center says. Behavior. Behavior is the way we think and respond to certain situations. So what this means is this. Anxiety is my own fault. It's nobody else's fault. You can't blame it on your spouse. You can't blame it on your kids. It is our fault. Now anxiety, again, it's, it's an emotion which means, good news, in and of itself, it's not a sin. That's good news for a lot of us. Because some of us feel super guilty about our anxiety, okay? So anxiety is emotion. And some of us, we start feeling guilty about our anxiety, and then it spirals us down. Like, I feel guilty about my anxiety, then I go downward more anxiety, and I feel guilty about having more anxiety. And it's so I'll get, okay, it's not a sin in and of itself. It's how we respond to it. Okay, so that's good news because you don't have to be anxious about being anxious. All right, so I can understand what it is. It is a result of behavior, but also anxiety is not a mental disease. And this is where some people like this really throws people for a curve. I challenge you study this, go to the anxiety center. I've studied, read up on all this. I asked people who are learned in this kind of stuff, and it is not a mental disease, yet we medicate it like it is. That's why it's scary in spite of all of our medication, in spite of all of our technology and our efforts, it continues to get worse and worse and worse in our country and our society. We're addicted to worry and stress. It's controlling us. It's consuming us. It is changing our behavior in our country. And here's what you need to understand is medication will not change your behavior. It will help. It can take the edge off. It can help you get to maybe a better place mentally to help you make better decisions. This is why I'm all for, if you need that, I'm all for therapy and counseling to help us do all this, like to get into a better place. That can be very, very good. But medication will not change your behavior. Please understand this. See, the real issue is what's going on right here in our thoughts. So, Behavior is the issue, but that's why we got to look at our beliefs, because beliefs precede behavior. What I believe about a situation caused me to behave a certain way about a situation. And so I got to get to the root. What's going on? What am I believing? Why do I respond this way? There's something I believe about this situation or about that person or whatever it is that causes me to act out, to behave in a certain way. So I got to confront my beliefs and my thoughts. A lot of them are false They're based upon a lie, and those lies are controlling our life, and so I got to look at my thoughts, okay? So again, Jesus wants to help you with this, and we need his presence. We need to run to him because that's where we can find his peace, and so what I want to do now, now that I've set up this anxiety thing, and now you feel really encouraged about anxiety, (laughs) let's help us out here, okay? So let's go to Philippians 4 and look at Paul's prescription for anxiety, I would encourage you to, especially if this is a stronghold in your life, live in this passage for the next rest of your life. Okay, (laughs) Philippians 4, verse 4. Paul's going to help us out big time here today. We're going to get practical, and we're going to walk line by line here just in a few of these verses because this is going to help every single one of us. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. So Paul here is encouraging us to develop the habit of rejoicing, regardless of what's going on. You and I can rejoice in the Lord even when life gets tough. Now, the verb that Paul is using here really means to continually and habitually rejoice. You want to make this a habit in your life, that no matter what happens, I will rejoice in the Lord. And then Paul tells us when we should stop rejoicing. When should we stop? Never. He says, rejoice in the Lord always, no matter what. And he's like, just to encourage us again. Let me say it again. Rejoice in the Lord. So what he's telling us is this. Make a decision in your life to do this. Paul's not saying, hey, when you feel like it, go ahead and rejoice in the Lord. When you notice that God's done something good, just rejoice. Hey, when, when life's easy, just rejoice in the Lord because... It's easy. When you have time or you remember to rejoice, then you should rejoice. No, Paul doesn't say any of that, right? He's like, always, no matter what, rejoice in the Lord. Make it a habit. It really comes down to what do we believe about God? Do I really believe God is good when life doesn't feel good? good. Do I really believe that? Because, again, belief precedes behavior. Uh, What do I believe mentally So much so that that it it affects my behavior. Do I really believe God's worthy to be rejoiced in? That I can worship Him no matter what? That I can believe He is good when life is so difficult and even tragic? If you believe that, it's gonna be easier to rejoice in the Lord, always. But this is the encouragement: rejoice in the Lord, always. This is where it begins. Having a life where I'm just finding the joy of the Lord. God's word says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. I can rejoice in him. This is one of my favorite words that I say. When something weird or bad happens in life, I'm like, joy. It's a reminder for me that I, I, I can rejoice. And it's kind of, I make light of it, but it does speak the word that I want to still experience regardless of whatever's going on. Joy. 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 That's it. Okay, verse five. Make it your word, too, if you want. Verse five, uh, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Okay, Paul, thanks for this. This is good. Gentleness. Let it be evident to everybody in your life. Gentleness. This is a temperament that you and I need to have that's seasoned and mature. It is you and I being able to respond in maturity no matter the situation. It's an attitude of being level-headed. The opposite of it would be I overreact and I panic. That's the opposite of what Paul is saying here and being gentle. So Paul is calling us to have a calm spirit no matter what we face. And here's why. The reason is, is because God is near. You can respond this way. Everybody around you can see you respond this way because God is Near. And this is one of those statements like, what exactly did Paul mean? You can go two different directions. Some scholars will say he's referring to the return of Jesus is near, which is true. Jesus is coming, and he's coming back soon. Again, we just got done studying Revelation. That was super fun, and that's it's just a reminder that Jesus is coming back. And the signs of the times pointing are pointing to this coming back soon. Jesus talked about labor pains, and it seems like we're seeing some labor pains going on in the world today, which means that's just a sign that the end is near. Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back soon. So Paul could be referring to that. Or the, some scholars think he's quoting Psalm 145. Psalm 145 says, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. And so this is just speaking to the fact that God is close to you. He is a God who is near. During Christmas time, we love to talk about God, Emmanuel. He is God with us. I'm so thankful that he's not a God that's far off. He's not watching you from a distance, just hoping that you're gonna make good decisions and not be an idiot today and that you're gonna trust him. No, God is a God who is close. He is a near God. He is God with us. God, Emmanuel, whichever direction Paul is wanting to take us, both truths are right. God is coming back soon and he is near to us, right? And so because of that, we can respond in gentleness. It is possible, but we need his help. This is why we need to go to the presence because peace is found in the presence of Jesus. So then verse six, let's read the first part again and the second part. We didn't read. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Do not be anxious about anything. I just love that sentence in the Bible. Like, how's that going for you? Are you you living that out? Is that easy? You and I think is that there's too many people out there that are anxious about everything because they pray about nothing. Hey, why don't we be people who pray about everything so we can be anxious about nothing and actually do our best to live this verse out? Be anxious or do not be anxious about anything, Paul says. And so here's the action we're called to take against anxiety. You and I are called to go after Jesus, to approach him. Prayer is what we need. Choose prayer instead of despair. Too many of us, we spiral down to despair. When that situation hits you, you're feeling overwhelmed, you're stressed, the worry begins to rise. We can mentally spiral downhill. And some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's like that despair comes so quickly. We go into this place, we're like, I can't believe them. I'm so mad at them. I just, there. How, how can they do this? And mentally, we just keep going down, down into despair. God, when am I going to have things go right for me? And I just, there's so many things wrong with me. And it, we could go so many different directions, but they're all downhill. Into despair, choose prayer. Run to him. Go to God. Don't allow yourself to mentally go to that place of despair. Choose prayer. So through prayer, and he uses this word, Petition. That's a good word. It's like an urgent plea. Like, God, I'm calling out to you. I need you, like, desperately, like, right now, God. Petition him. Go to God with your anxiety. Talk to him about it. Do you know that he wants you to? Do you know that God loves to hear your voice? He loves it when you come to him with whatever is on your mind. He wants you to do that. I think this is why Peter said this, like he had learned this. And so he said this in 1 Peter. Let's look at these two verses. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So you start feeling worried, overwhelmed, you're stressed. Maybe even physically you can begin to to feel it. Let me encourage you to do this. Humble yourself before the Lord. Just get into that place of humility, this posture of, God, I need you. Oh, God, my God, I need you. More than ever, it requires humility for you and I to admit we need his help. And he is waiting for us to get to that place so that he can lift us up. But we gotta humble ourselves before the Lord and recognize we can't do this on our own, friends. We need his power and his presence to be alive and working in our life. Humble yourself before the Lord. He will lift you up. Cast all your anxiety onto him. I just love that. Like think about that. Cast your anxiety onto him. It's this imagery of just throwing it to him. You start feeling worried about something, just grab that and say, "Here you go, God. Yeah,. I'm struggling with this. I, this is, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. God, I give it to you. It's yours. Help me. You're getting ready to meet with someone that you're struggling. There's a tense relationship. There's conflict. you just like, oh, you don't want to do it, but you know you need to. God, I'm giving you this situation. i me giving you this, re- this, this uh, tension. Here you go. I'm casting it to you. The doctor gives you news that you don't want to hear. You say, God, I'm taking this news right now. I'm throwing it to you. I'm giving it to you. And here's why we can do this. Because he cares. He cares for us, guys. He wants you to. He cares for you. If... If you're worried about it, if it's a big deal to you, it's a big deal to him. Go to him. Look to him. If it's big enough to worry about, it is big enough to pray about. So we got to pray about these things way more than we allow ourselves to mentally begin uh, to worry about. And here's the fascinating thing. As we go to God in prayer, did you know? Physically, your brain changes through prayer. Physically, it changes. We used to believe years ago, maybe like three decades ago, we used to believe that your brain doesn't change after adolescence. It stops changing. Now we know that's not true. Through modern science, all these neurologists that have been studying the brain for like the last two decades, they have learned so much. It's incredible what they've learned about the brain and how it functions. And so they've developed this term called neuroplasticity. Which means your brain still can change, and you can change it in a way you want to change it, for the good or for the bad. Okay, so neuroplasticity is, is taking place for all of us. This is how you define it. It's the ability to, of the brain to change and reorganize the synaptic connections. That's what neuroplasticity is. And so your brain has that ability. Like right now, your brain, it, there's, there's a lot going on in this cranium right now. Some of you, your mind was was somewhere else just for a moment there. And now I'm just going to reel in you back in. Okay, here we go. Okay. It's warm in here. We're getting all cozy. It's like you're falling asleep. I see some teeter-bobbers out there. Come on. Your brain is relaxing a lot. The rest of us, like your, your brain is like firing. All the synapses are going. You know, as you're listening to me, your brain is firing and processing all this information. And it's changing. And you're literally creating new things in your brain through all of this And you can retrain and rewire, and here's the word, you can renew your brain in the way you want it to go, the way that God wants it to go. It is possible, and modern science calls it neuroplasticity. So, your brain's constantly changing. Prayer changes your brain. Dr. Caroline Leaf, leading expert in the field of neurology and strong believer, she says this. This is fascinating. It has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. Just 12 minutes for the next two months, your brain will change so much a brain scan will detect the change in your brain. If that doesn't speak to the power of prayer, like, I don't know what does, friends. Like, we need to pray. We need the presence of God more and more and more and more. Get into his presence. Pray. Seek him. Your brain will literally change for the better. So much so that a doctor will be able to look at you and say, You've been praying, haven't you? Yep, I've been praying. Modern science is, is caught up with this, with so much of the Bible, and this, especially this verse in Romans 12 where Paul said to the church in Rome, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Hmm. If we could bring the music down just a little bit here, it'd be great. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. If we conform to the pattern of this world, friends, we're going to need to take medication for the rest of our life. We just learn worry. We learn stress. This is what we learn if we're going to act and copy the behaviors and customs of this world like the New Living Translation says. So, We don't want to live that way. God has not called you to conform to the world. Don't be a conformist. But what he has called you to be is transformed by the renewing, the renewing, the rewiring of your brain. God literally has the power to transform and change and rewire your brain. And what's cool about that is your life is transformed. You see, God's not into behavior modification. He doesn't want to just help you behave better. And say better things and act better and and change behavior so you don't have to do like. No, he's after life transformation. Like he wants to make you new in every possible way. And that's really good news. Because we're not just trying to be morality police around here where we act better, behave better. That's not what God's about. He wants to change your life, radically transform your life. Your life will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's a renewing. It's a renewal. And so we're learning how to do that. you got to spend time in His presence. you got to go to prayer. you got to rejoice in the Lord always. And then there's these two words in verse 6 that are so important. With thanksgiving. Practice being thankful in your life. And here's why. Because worry and thankfulness cannot coexist. It's like oil and water, friends. Like, if you're truly thankful about something, you're going to stop worrying about it. But if you're really worried about something, you're going to struggle to be thankful. So you got to grow and just being thankful no matter what. I think thank you should be all over our prayers. I think thank you should be all over our speech and our vocabulary and our, just how we talk with people. Anxiety will cause us to begin to think things like, if I only had this, if I could only get this. But thankfulness says, God, I'm so thankful for everything you've given me and provided me for. Two different perspectives. Anxiety causes us to think things like, if this hadn't happened to me, if they didn't do this, but, it, but thankfulness says, God, you have been faithful to me all my life. And I know you will, you will never stop being faithful to me. I'm so thankful for that. You see, you can go one of two directions, friends. Let me encourage you to grow in your attitude of gratitude. Uh, thankfulness is so, so powerful. In fact, I really believe this. The more grateful you become in life, the less anxious you will be in life. I truly believe that with all my heart. The more grateful you become, the less anxious you will become. That's the power of gratitude. I was studying that word last week a lot during the week of Thanksgiving. I shared it with our Thanksgiving peoples. And, um, but just learning the power of thankfulness, there's, it changes it changed my prayers. It changes my perspective. I get to see God's power alive in my life as I grow and understand what thankfulness really is. So there's a lot more we could say about thankfulness. But let me just encourage you, develop that attitude of gratitude. And then the last verse is this for today. Last verse, verse seven. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will, not might, not sometimes, not occasionally, when God gets around to it and remembers, will. Will. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love this, guys. The peace of God. Notice what it isn't. It's not peace from God, it's the peace of God. God isn't just giving you a little bit of peace in your life. Here's peace, here's some peace from me. No, it's the peace of God, which means this He is literally giving you Himself. Let me give you me. This is why we need His presence. Because when I'm in his presence, then the peace of God can guard my heart, can guard my emotions, can guard my desires, can guard my mind. It can guard my thoughts so it doesn't go down this crazy rabbit trail and I go down to despair. The peace of God is that big. It is that powerful. It is so incredible that words can't even describe it. And if you've experienced the true peace of God, you know it is impossible to describe. Like life is tough, is difficult, but I had this peace. And I pray you and I would walk in and experience this peace that people say, wow, like, how does that happen? You're like, I don't know. I just, it's like God, it's, it's like he is so real. Like, I, I just, it's incomprehensible. I can't even describe it. That's how powerful his peace is. It's beyond my understanding or ability to even explain. It's the peace of God because it is himself. You and I are receiving Him. Hmm. This is why Jesus said this before He we went to the cross. He says, "Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you." That's so important, friends. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Because let's be real, fear is the root of a lot of this. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Therefore, I don't. I struggle to trust. God. I don't know if he really is good. Not. Fear just controls us. It's a fear issue. It's a control issue. So Jesus says, don't be afraid. I'm giving you my peace. I'm leaving that with you. Why? Because that's what he's referring to is, I'm going to leave my spirit with you. <laughs> and in that, you're going to receive peace from me. It says, peace. It will keep watch over us. It will guard us. Like, we need this peace in our life, don't we? Don't you want more of his peace in your life? (laughs) You don't have to earn it. Isn't that good news? It is a gift from God. Freely receive his peace today. And here's what you need to do. You need to just go to him in prayer. Prayer is the path to peace. Prayer is the path to your peace. Run to Jesus. Pray. It happens when we seek him and we come to him Remember, Jesus is not after behavior modification. He's after life transformation. So this peace that he gives you is not just to comfort and ease the pain and the stress and the worry. He doesn't wanna just put a soothed little blanket over your, your stress and worry and anxiety. He wants to help take you deep down to the root to help you discover this is what's going on in your life. This is why you struggle with anxiety and worry and maybe it's some past things from your life, past trauma, maybe even from an, like an early childhood. Those things can still affect us today. We don't even realize it. It could be hidden sin in our life. It could be words people spoke over us. There could be lies that we believe about ourselves or about God. There could be so many different things, but we want to get down beneath the surface and the Lord wants to help you and I. Discover the root of this anxiety. He doesn't want to just medicate it for you. He doesn't want to just hand you a bottle or a screen and say, forget about it for a little while. And then when you remember, pray to me. No, he wants to transform your life and set you free from anxiety. And he has the power and the desire to do it. We just have to let him. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus.